This is the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by The Peers Project. Hello, peers. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Akidanor, founder of The Peers Project, millennial entrepreneur, world traveler, podcast expert, and forever your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite inspiring millennial entrepreneurs from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer to peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way and why there's nothing better. As always, thank you for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Welcome back to another episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. Today's guest is Maxine Ryan, a Hong Kong-based fintech entrepreneur changing the way we all think about money. After years of struggling in the school system, Maxine was left anxiously wondering what she would do and where she would go until a fateful conversation with her housemate revealed how little she knew about money and how important financial freedom really is. Since then, Maxine has co-founded two companies, formerly Bitspark, a cash-to-crypto solution company, and now Prosper App, a financial literacy platform educating millennials and Gen Z on all things finance. In this insightful conversation, Maxine reflects on the importance of connection with older generations, why we are not our thoughts, and how she left university, quit her job, and started a business all in the same month. For those of you who haven't yet, make sure to take a screenshot of this episode right now, post it to your Instagram story and tag us at The Peers Project so that other peers out there can benefit from the wisdom of these incredible millennial entrepreneurs. Okay, now over to the wonderful Maxine. Maxine, welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you on the show today. It's lovely being here. We're finally making it happen. (laughs) Yes. Oh my goodness. It's been a long time coming. So, you know, you and I recently connected via LinkedIn and when I looked into you and all of the amazing work that you're doing in fintech, I knew I had to have you come on the show. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for having me. Of course. Great. So look, for those of us who don't know who you are and what you do, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, that I feel like that's such a difficult question. But essentially, in 2014, I started BitSpark, which was the world's first money transfer platform using Bitcoin. And it was really the first company that ever utilized Bitcoin for cross-border remittances. And I had built that company for over seven years and really... I've always been passionate about financial inclusion, and we were trying to target, um, you know, people who are in developing countries and allowing them to be able to send money, send it cheaper than they would using a bank and using cryptocurrency as a means of transfer. So that's predominantly my background. And that at the end of last year, I just kind of had this realization that um, I mean, we'll probably get into it later, but I had this realization that, you know, 
what I was doing towards my mission, which is financial inclusion, wasn't hitting the mark and it wasn't doing the impact that I wanted it to have. And really that all came down to financial literacy. I realized it didn't really matter what I was building. It didn't matter all like the services and products that are out there. If people don't understand money, just the fundamental basics of money or investing, then we really have a problem. So that brought me into Prosper app, which is what I'm building now. And we've launched in October. So it's a very new company. And we like our mission is to be the number one um, financial literacy app for Gen Z and millennials to learn about personal finance and essentially improve their financial literacy. So I guess it's another way to kind of like supply my mission that I've been doing for for a while now. Oh, I just love it. And I was looking into your previous company and the one you're running now, and it's all just so interesting. And I can't wait to dive deeper into that today. But I guess before we do, I'd love to start with a question, which which I've often found to be very insightful and revealing. And that is, where did you grow up? And how has this impacted the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far? I, I think that everybody's background has, you know, it it shapes who you are, right? So it really doesn't matter where you come from, but it it definitely shapes who you are. So I come from Hong Kong. A lot of people think that I'm actually from the US because of my accent, but I'm actually born and raised in Hong Kong. I'm half Chinese, half Australian. And I grew up in a, I guess it it was at that time, a small coastal town called Sai Kong. And um, I went to international school that well first local school then international school and I actually moved to Australia when I was nine to Grafton so I, I don't know if you know I don't know if like the listeners know okay so Grafton is a very small country town it's like population like 15,000 people and I think moving there from Hong Kong which is like this huge concrete jungle to this like very small rural town was it was very interesting for, <laughs> for my to grow up in. And I kind of just went back and uh, back and forth between Hong Kong and Grafton for most of my years until um, I came to Australia for university, went back to Hong Kong to uh, build Bitspark, and then I've just recently moved back here. Mm, amazing. Oh my goodness. So I just want to dive a little bit deeper into that for a moment. So, you know, what, I guess, what was it like, you know, making that move at, I think you said only eight years old, you know, as you mentioned, you know, coming from that concrete jungle, Hong Kong, super bustling and, you know, a lot happening to then coming to Oz and just this country town, you know, what, I guess, what was that like for you at the time? And yeah, talk to us a little bit about Maxine, the early years. Sure. Um, I mean, I moved to live with my grandparents. So I was actually, you know, unaccompanied minor on the plane and all this type of stuff. And I think that if I had to look back at it now, I was scared. I think any big change as a young, like, child um, and kind of like, you know, living with people that maybe, even though they're your family, it's not somebody that you're that familiar with, I think definitely had an impact. So I was petrified, to be honest. And then also going to new school and, you know, I, my English wasn't that great then. So it was like just a whole bunch of like stress points. <laughs> but I think, you know, it, it was, I just did have such a great childhood growing up in Australia and with my grandparents and having that relationship with them has been just like amazing. So 
Yeah, I mean, the I think the experience itself was scary, as it is for, you know, any young child going through something different. But definitely, there's been a lot of positives coming out of that, too. What are some of those positives? You know, I think, how, how do you think that experience shaped you and, and kind of even heading into high school, then university and that kind of stuff and beyond? How do you think it shaped you? Yeah, it, it makes you basically be ultra flexible and it kind of makes you I feel as though I'm like very suited to building companies and like being an entrepreneur because I am used to having to I guess like adapt and change to certain circumstances and I have been doing that for you know since a very young age and you know I I also think that it makes you look at the positive sides of life and that you know no matter what gets like thrown at you it's you can kind of like change it into a good thing. And, you know, I, I really love my, my grandparents. They're just like the best people ever. And I feel so kind of younger generations don't really have that connection with the older generation. It just gets like cut off. So I guess like on an emotional like standpoint, that was probably the best that came out of that. But in terms of like my character, definitely just adaptability. (laughs) And you're so right. You know, I think adaptability in business and, and really just in life is so important. You know, I guess what advice would you just on that? What advice would you give to our peers out there listening around perhaps, you know, maybe they didn't have the same upbringing as you and then had to kind of learn to adapt really early on. And, and maybe it's coming up for them now in their twenties or in their early thirties. You know, what, what would you be your, what would be your advice around getting comfortable with adapting and, and, and I guess being more flexible? Yeah, it's an interesting concept because I think it's more about your mindset. And I think that, you know, the more people that I talk to who, you know, are my mentors or just people who are in this space in general, it's about kind of strengthening your mind and realizing that things can change very quickly, but it's not a representation of yourself. So it, it's a difficult thing to like let go and let things happen to you because as humans, we like to control our environment. That's how we've survived. Um, but I think that if you're able to just tell your mind that actually perhaps things aren't going your way, um, to look at the opportunities that are going your way or to kind of have faith in yourself that if this opportunity is not working for me, you know, maybe a deal fell through or something that, um, you know, maybe there's something else down the road that was meant for you or that is like better for you in that circumstance. And I think a second thing to that is having patience, having patience for your goals to realize and like actualize themselves for you. And I understand that it can be very difficult because, you know, for example, like I left university, I was very stressed. I was like, well, how am I going to have like income to survive and all this type of stuff? And really, I just kept on going with it. I was like, no, like, this is something that I'm really passionate about. And I have faith that something will come through. And, you know, I just think that work over time pays off. But you do kind of need almost just that time to allow things to happen for yourself and not to be like, okay, where is it? Why is it like not here? And that could be like three months. It can be a year. It can be two, you know, and that's difficult. But just like just to stick that in there if your heart's still in it. I think that's another thing is like, you you have to make sure that whatever you're doing is making you happy so that that temporary discomfort is worth it. Mm. Oh, 
I just love how you put that, that temporary discomfort. It's just so true. And I think, you know, whether we're confused about our you know, our careers and we're not too sure what we actually want to do, whether they're confused or whether we're a bit stressed about our businesses or our side hustle and we're not sure, you know, when is this thing actually going to work out for us? I think it's just, I think you put that so well and it's it's just so valuable. So I want to talk a bit deep, a bit more now about your, when you left university. So I, I was looking a bit into that. You know, you went to ANU, you did a bachelor of, or you were doing a bachelor of international relations and affairs. And, and then I think, you know, yeah, it was kind of that shift to leave. Talk to us a little bit about that time there and the decision to leave uni to start your business, your first business. And I guess how you navigated through the stress. Oh, yeah. So it, it's interesting because I think it's like, <laughs> I was just thinking about that the other day that uh, just the path. But, you know, I spent a lot of my time in just like my entire time in the schooling system was not a great one. Like I was not a great student. And, you know, school was always just so stressful for me where I was like, oh, my gosh, like this is not what I want to do. Like I, I know that I want to do something with my life, but I just had, I'm sure a lot of young people have that question mark, like, what am I going to do with my life? Right. So that like that timeline of like becoming like an adult and, you know, knowing yourself is extremely daunting. Um, but yeah, I, I had incredible anxiety, like all through my life where I was like, okay, like I'm not great at school. Uh, things are not looking that great for me. I know that I have passion, but I don't know where to direct this passion. Um, and I remember just kind of like taking a break between high school and university and going, okay, like, what the hell do I want to do with myself? Like, that is such a difficult question to ask. Like, what do I, what am I going to do? What am I going to do with myself? And like, I remember listening to a BBC radio program about, I think like doctors beyond borders or something. And I was so taken by this story that, I was like, well, maybe like I want to go help people in like developing countries. And like, I don't know why it just brought me on this like wild goose chase to like go help somebody somewhere else. (laughs) And I started to look into, you know, the reasons why like, you know, um, underdeveloped or developing countries were like in the states they were and like, you know, what are like the positive aspects of its development over time? And I thought, okay, well, Maybe I should get into international relations. I should get into um, politics or something or other. So I'm like, you know, I applied to ANU. I got in. And then I started to get very depressed because I was doing, you know, this degree. And I just felt, man, like even if I got into government, it's such like a huge and seemingly broken system that I'm not going to be able to help that person that I want to help because I want to have direct impact on people. I don't want to like, you know, work in an organization that has like more of a blanket impact that you see over a long period of time. Like, how can I help people right here, right now? And actually, I was in a share house at that time. And one of my um, housemates had a lot of like computers and stuff like that in his room. And I was like, what are these? And he was like, oh, I'm mining Bitcoin. And I was like, what is that? (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) I'd never heard of that word before. It was just like, I was like, what? It was like somebody saying toast for the first time. It was like, what is that? (laughs) Um, (laughs) So 
we were chatting and it was like, it was just a conversation that kept on giving. And I, I think we chatted like all night about, okay, first of all, like, what is money? Like, what is the economy? Like, how does money work? Like, how does money affect people's lives? You know, what's inflation? Like all of these. And I was like, what the heck? Like, how have I been in university for the last three and a half years and still don't understand how the economy works? And from this like very long conversation with a friend, I just had such a clear image about like this whole aspect. And I was like, we have to do this. Like this is, I just felt like it was the answer to everything, um, which it is. Like I'm definitely like so big into Bitcoin. It's like maddening. So yeah, I basically that week, I just deferred my degree and we yeah. And as it was it was a really weird thing because I had been living at this house for, I think, almost six months. And we me and the housemate had only just realized that like we were working next to each other this whole time, like in in like in another area for work. And we used to just go into a different like entry point. So we always missed each other. So what he would do is at the end of his work, he'd come down into where I was working and like I'd give him a T-shirt to like pretend he was like an employee at the place. And then we would like work on the business plan and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like my- So sneaky. Yeah, it was so <laughs> sneaky. Like, I, I'm sorry for my former employer then, but like I was just basically like, and my interest in my work just completely went down as I was in retail. Cause I was like, we got to like save the world with Bitcoin now. So, um, so yeah, we were working in the business plan in that way such good times um and then we started applying for different grants and we decided to uh open up in hong kong and the reason why we wanted to open up in hong kong was basically around the rules and regulation around cryptocurrency at that time were more favorable than doing that in australia and yeah that's kind of like how it all started it's it's just so interesting i'm just taking a moment i'm taking it all in yeah it's absolutely fascinating and i think you know when people say oh how did you come up with that idea or how you know how did that even happen or you know i think you know as you put it for you it was really like this is what i've been searching for like this is the i think this is the answer to like all of my questions about life and about you know obviously you know developing countries and where they're at with things etc you know what advice would you give to our peers out there who perhaps have had that light bulb moment, but they're a little bit hesitant to just defer the uni degree or quit yeah. the job or whatever it may be? You know, you you kind of went all in straight away. You know, talk, <laughs> to us, talk to us a little bit about perhaps your experience with that looking back or like you now reflecting back on that, how you feel about it. And I guess your advice to, to our peers out there listening who may be at, at that point where they think, yeah, I'm going to go do this. Yeah. I, I think because when I tell people that they're shocked, they're like, well, what you mean in under a month's time, you just quit your degree, started a business and then moved overseas to start something. And I, I was, I'm the type of person that if I like, if I believe in something, I really believe in it. I will go like full force with it. And But I understand that's not how everybody is. And I think at that time, I kind of had nothing to lose. Like, it's not like I was deferring my degree. Like, I was just doing like, more of a risk assessment, being like, well, you know, I'm, I would be kind of like not respecting like my passion to 
at least pursue this and like not be scared about how it ends up. But in terms of advice, I would say to start small and to kind of go, okay, like this is my vision of how, like if, if this was going to be like peak end of the road, what it looks like, what is the step that I would like take now to get to that? That's like the smallest effort. So I think to kind of reverse engineer where you want to get to instead of feeling that anxiety about I need to get to that point right now is more about rolling back each and every one of those steps that you should take. So an example of that would be um, like with my new company, Prosper, Prosper Up, we are TikTok for financial literacy. But if you go onto the app right now, it does not look like that. It looks like it does not. It like it looks like an app that well, it is an app that sends you daily quotes. But what you can see is that I've launched an MVP that essentially like proves that the concept works, which is that um, small snippets of information daily can lead to action, which is somebody buying a book or even going onto a podcast about um, financial literacy or anything like that. And we kind of want to be that layer of education to allow people to start their awareness, but then go, hey, you know about X, Y, Z. Now go talk to an expert about it. So that's all I wanted to prove was go, okay, like what what user experience am I trying to prove in like that end goal? And then go, what is like the smallest step or what is the smallest thing that I can build right now that proves that that works so that it gives me kind of more impetus to keep on going and building it out? I don't know if that makes sense. I'm sorry out there if that no, doesn't make to- sense. <laughs> I actually think it, I actually think it totally does. I think, you know, it's, you know, starting small. I think that's something that so many of us can resonate with. It's how I started. It's how, you know, I think so many people start, you know, just so whether it's in business or whether it's even just, you know, a different career path or, or a side passion or a side hustle or whatever it may be. So no, I, I really appreciate that. It's super interesting. So I got, I guess I want to talk a little bit more now about, I want to talk about the move. So, you know, you moved to Hong Kong, you were young still, you're like, let's do this. You know, I think sometimes when we dive into business or when it, we dive into pursuing our passion, we often don't know, we're naive to the fact that it's actually like very tough to actually get going and to actually get it off the ground. You know, I want to talk more about, I guess, how you did that with Prosper App a bit later, but just kind of a snapshot. I'd love to know kind of your early challenges and your learnings from perhaps the first year of your first business. Yeah, I think the, when I look back at it, I was so naive, but actually that naivety worked to my advantage because I did not understand just how severely underexperienced I was. <laughs> I just laugh at it now. The fact that I was like emailing these like executives in like banks or whatever, being like, hello. And, but also <laughs> just laughing at it now. But um, okay. also it, it is. But I think the thing is, it's just like people, those people, even though I was so underexperienced, understood that I had passion for what I wanted to do. And they were more than happy to at least talk to somebody with passion. Like it, I honestly don't think that it really matters 
what the person's subject matter is as long or how far they are is that if they've got passion about something and it shows through and they're kind of like they're in it, other people are convinced as such and they're willing to help you. Um, so I think, yeah, that first year was difficult simply because I didn't know how to open a business. I didn't know how to run a business. And, you know, going into like the investment landscape was a really interesting one because I was in like a high tech industry. Um, oh, it's like high tech and high risk industry. So those industries tend to be di more difficult to raise money or raise capital for. And yeah, it was difficult. But all I all I told myself like every day was just, OK, like this didn't. I may have embarrassed myself in that way or whatever, rather, but, you know, I still am making progress every day and I'm learning more and more every day. And I think the flexibility of, you know, talking with somebody and being able to at least be perceived as somebody who could like string logical things together and just adapt with whatever was being thrown at me was enough to kind of make that process and momentum. Like, I think that people are very hard on themselves when they're having a discussion or let's just say they're having like talking about investment or getting their first like business um, deal or anything like that. And you're going to get asked questions that you don't know, you know, and that's the most difficult thing is not to know, but people are not so much looking for answers. They are more so looking for if you're capable of thinking of an answer and many different answers to then find an answer. And I think we have to be less hard on ourselves about, um, about not knowing things like it's okay to not know, but have confidence to go, okay, I don't know that. I remember talking to an investor being like, I don't know the solution to like, you know, balancing these massive flows of money that go directly into one country and not into another. Cause it's like balancing the books in that way. And you have a currency that like nobody else really wants. But I said, but how I would solve that is X, Y, Z. And that was enough convincing for that investor to go, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, Nobody has that answer, first of all. And second of all, at least she has like different ideas and solutions towards that. So be confident that you're able to kind of solve things that come towards you because you are like the master of what you're um, essentially building and have confidence in that. How can we build our confidence? I build it through meditation. <laughs> yes. Um, so I'm like really big into meditation now and I kind of like dabbled with it uh, back and forth like throughout the years. But now I'm just like, no, this is like a non-negotiable. I have to do that every day. And when you meditate, I find learning how to separate yourself, like who you truly are to your anxiety, your fears or anything that your brain tells you, like your brain is programmed to solve questions and keep you safe. And it's basically just doing its job being like, okay, like this is making you feel uncomfortable. Here's like some anxiety for you or here's some depression for you. And, or here's like a negative comment, <laughs> just loves to sprinkle it in there. And it's meditation for me is separating like myself and from my thoughts and being an observer. And I think that helped me build more self-confidence where I was like, actually, I'm not my thoughts, no matter what it says to me. And that I have like an inner self that doesn't feel that way. Because I feel that a lot of the tension that happens from, you know, a thought is more that it doesn't really align with how you actually feel about yourself. 
I feel like that's where it comes from. It's it's not so much that you're convinced is that that conflict in you is going like my brain is telling me this, but it's not how I feel that I am. So it's creating that barrier. I feel that helps you with your self-confidence to know that if you're talking, you know, let's just say you've got a deal going on, you're talking to somebody and that thing goes, you have no idea what you're talking about. Just go, just let it pass through you and then just keep on going. And I felt like that really helped. Mm. So valuable. And I think, yeah, I think med- meditation, whether that be just sitting there really still, or for me, it's like exercise and moving my body while yeah. I'm kind of in, in flow. I think all this stuff is so valuable. And I think, you know, we, we need to kind of make that commitment to ourselves. Was there a point where you just got, or you felt so low that you yeah. just had to kind of make that commitment to do it every day? Like, was there a point for you or was it more just an accumulation of little things over time? Like, can you talk to us a little bit about, you know, perhaps a dark side of business and a time where you just felt really low? For sure. Like I, I have struggled. I've never really discussed it, but I have struggled with depression all my life. And I feel that I've only really just broken through like a lot of, that mental burden that was like, you know, all throughout like middle school, high school, up until university. And like very, I feel like very, it got even worse actually when I started my last company. Um, Cause it was just, you're under so much pressure, but of course, like you have that contrast. So I looked at everything that I did in my last company. It was more about looking at myself. Cause I really do think that everything around you is just a reflection of yourself and like your actions and your thoughts and going, okay, like if I'm going to build something different, how do I want to feel in that company? And again, just being like very, very self-aware that when I look at my like old company and like who I was in that company, I was a severely self-critical person. And I did not give myself a break, even when times were good. And even when times were like, when times were bad, I was hard on myself. But when times were good, I was still hard on myself. So like, you're never winning. And I was like, okay, like I'm going to first fix a lot of the stuff that I would like to change before I start anything new, because I just don't want to, again, like kind of be in that stressful state. Um, So like I said, it was like more of that mental game and wanting to be better for myself to like be like, okay, like I don't have to be hard on myself. Even when I'm stressed, you can still be happy like just these types of things and practicing it over time. Like I'm, I'm still learning to do that. But when I talk to people who are like CEOs of like massive companies, I, I do realize that they have an incredible mental game. Like they don't flinch at anything that comes towards them. But at some point in time they did, but they over time have like built that mental strength. And I think that's what I'm still working towards. Hmm. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. I just, it's honestly so powerful. And I think so many of our peers out there listening can resonate. You know, I think we all go through times that are, we just, we really are just too hard on ourselves and we don't have that compassion, compassion for ourselves and, and what we're going through. And I think, you know, I think it's cultivating that, that literally, as you said, is, is a game changer. So. I guess moving on from there, I want to talk a little bit about that transition to Prosper app. So, you know, you said that you obviously you had a huge, I think it was like solid six years of, you know, 
being in the first business, you guys did so, so well. I can list all of the amazingness, but you know, then came that point where you thought, yeah, like this is actually not moving the needle on, on my own personal mission. How did, I guess, firstly, how did you gain the courage to accept that fact? And then from there, how did you, what were the first couple of things you did to make that transition? Yeah, it was like, it was a very difficult decision. And because when you like, when you have a company that is, I guess, like seeming, well, relatively successful, right? Because most startups like die within the first year or two of starting. It was like, it was so difficult to let it go. And actually it was something that I probably felt like two years at the end of the two years, I was like, this is not doing it for me anymore. And I don't feel like I can do what I want to do with this. But then you have people, you have employees, you have investors, you have users, you have your team. Like, and I, I think it was more that I felt I was letting them down. Yeah. Like, I think that was the hardest point where I'm like, well, maybe I can just keep on like self-sacrificing for everybody else. Right. But then I thought, you know what, like I'm, if I'm not in a good spot, then this company is not going to go anywhere anyway, because I'm losing my passion for it. And I, there's a lot of different reasons as to like why it kind of got to that point. But I, I think that, what was it? The best way to put it is that like the, the pain of like staying there was getting worse and worse to the point where I almost had to look, let go because it was, it would, I would get more relief from like the fear of the unknown than holding on to something that wasn't serving me anymore. And I had confidence that like everybody on my team, like my business partner and everybody, I had like so much confidence in them that they could go on without me like fully. Right. Like I, I had already built the company to the point where I really just had to like, transfer kind of more daily tasks to people but everybody was like a very crucial component that was adding on and on so I thought actually it's time for me to go and unfortunately you know three months later the company closed down because there was like coronavirus we were very much like cash-based business um there was the protest in Hong Kong but I mean I'm, I'm on a bit of a tangent right now but it it was very difficult to let it go but also understanding that I was in so much of a state that I was like, I need to move on to something different because I'm not adding value anywhere anymore. Cause like whatever I had to give was already gone. So valuable. Like everything you're saying is just so valuable and I can completely appreciate and understand where you're coming from. I think, you know, a question I've got for you is for our peers out there listening, and I know there would be a lot perhaps nodding their head to what you're saying, you know, kind of around this idea of, letting go of something that actually might be providing you a great income or it might be providing, you might might be on track with your career. It might sound good. It might have a good title or whatever it may be. Or maybe it's just that you really actually loved it at one point and now you're getting to the point where you're like, it's, this is just not doing it for me. You know, what advice would you give to our peers who are at that stage, just like how you were a year or, or so ago and and wrestling with that decision as to like what they should do. You know, what advice would you give to them? I think first of all is that you have to ask yourself, like, is this like eating away at me? I think that because a lot of people 
probably don't talk about it like publicly, but I think a lot of people are in situations they don't want to be because of, you know, it could be money reasons. It could be that they're very tied to their identity. It could be pressure from your family. It could be that you're not really sure what you're going to move on to next. Like there's so many different pressures that are from internal and external factors that affect your decision making. But if you really have a calling inside you that's saying like, you need to let go, you need to listen to that. And I mean, obviously don't go and like call up your, your work and be like, I quit without <laughs> like, don't do that guys. <laughs> yeah. Hold um, off. <laughs> don't do what I did. <laughs> yeah. hold on. But I think, I think like, um, like, basically going, okay, like I'm unhappy in my situation. What are the things that I can make myself happy with to just take those initial steps? So for example, you might want to have a career change, like just start going to events or like you'll, you'll be surprised how open people are that are in that industry to just talk to you because you want to have a chat. Like it's the world is so um, giving and caring as long as you're open to those opportunities in itself. But I think, um, yeah, so back to the question, like, what do you do? Ask yourself, like, is this really eating away at you? If it is, then you have to start making a game plan to leave because life is just way too short to do things that you don't want to do in your life. Um, I, and in terms of like the next steps forward, I would just be like, try as many new things as possible that you think would help you kind of like feel better about where you're going. So that could be, let's just say you're having a career change, like start going to those events in other spaces that um, in other industries that you go, okay, well, I can just dip my toe in it and see if that's really how I feel. A second thing to that, I would say, is just the ability to, it sounds like silly, but just to to realize that if you've done everything right, those opportunities are always there for you. Like, for example, when I started like my first company, I was like, well, the worst case is that I just reapply to university. And yes, I'm like back for two years. Um, but actually what then happened was that all at the whole seven years, every time I felt like the company was going to fail, I was like, well, actually, even if it did fail, I could like join another company that's doing the same thing. I got so many kind of job offers over that time because I was confident. I had confidence in like the skill that I was building. So I think just to realize that whatever opportunities you have now is always going to be there for you. People respect that you're like going out there to doing things that you want to do with your life. And that it's, we, we like to like kind of like hold on to things and be like, this is my identity. And like, this is everything that I've got. And actually it's a very like myopic way of like looking at your life and a better way to look at your life is like, well, actually there's plenty of different opportunities out there. I can take any of which one of them and every step that I take towards kind of like broadening my horizons, I get more experience, I get more network, I get more for myself. And just knowing that, you know, your one job is not your job forever and that there's plenty of other jobs and there's plenty of other like opportunities that would want you and your experience, just the fact that you even had the courage to like step out of that in the first place. Mm. It's just so true. And I just I so appreciate you sharing that. I think, you know, we can get so caught up in our heads. And I think it ties back yeah. to what we were saying before around the anxiety and the stress and the, the depression or whatever it is we may be feeling in the moment that sometimes we we almost forget like the basic things that, you know, we can always go back to a job or, or we can always get another one or, you know, yeah. if worse comes to worse, I'm sure 
you know, we're not going to be probably homeless, you know, we're probably going to have someone there that cares and can help us out. So I really, yeah, I really appreciate you. It's so interesting because it's like, it, people feel like, oh, well, I can just go back to that job and they feel that it's failure. I think that's the main mm-hmm. thing is like, so they don't want to be like, they don't want to call up their employer and be like, I quit. And then they like go all gun ho and then they fall on their face. Like, oh, can you like have me back, please? And I feel that it's you you feel that you've failed and like even the thought of failing creates that like chatter in your head where you're like oh gosh like you just basically become paralyzed to not be able to make any decisions so yeah I guess that's another thing is that instead of feeling that you have to go back to that be like well if I you know take a couple steps forward it might be one step back but I could definitely like just keep on going Mm. what's your just I'm very curious what's your relationship with failure and how can we build a better relationship with failure? Yeah. Myself included. Be friends. <laughs> yeah. Be friends with failure. Like failure is the best thing ever. I think as an entrepreneur, like, like you don't have anybody directing you. So you are directing yourself, which means you have to be critical and loving towards yourself at the same time. And like, you have to look in the mirror like every day <laughs> and be like, you know, I'm ready to be punched in the face and it's all good. Like, I'm fine. (laughs) And, um, yeah, but it's like, I think the idea that like, so when you are less fearful, then you're more open to like the flow of life. Oh God, I sound like, so like, like, I'm not sure if people are going to be thinking that this is good advice. They're like, oh, this girl's just all over the place of her like go of the flow stuff. But it's so true. Cause I remember people used to say to me, say that to me. And I'd be like, what are you talking about? Like, this is my life. What do you mean go with the flow? <laughs> like, F off. Like I am going with the flow, but I was not going with the flow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think it's like being able to be like, okay, that didn't work in my favor. And I'm going to just let it pass and just keep on moving. Just keep on going. And like failure is just a reality of life. It makes, it gives you character. Like it gives you a sense of humor. It's very humbling. And if we didn't have failure, it's so humbling. It's like, there's been times where I've been like, I'm the best. And then the next day something happened. I'm like, next okay, day. yeah. Like, yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. Vaccine. Like that was a bit much. <laughs> like chill out. <laughs> Keeps um, us grounded. Keeps us so it grounded. It does. And it, it also gives you a, um, an opportunity, I feel, to like reach out to people. I think like one of the biggest, uh, fears that, oh, not fears, but like I really struggled asking for help for a long, 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 long time. And I've only just gotten comfortable with asking for help just in general and having faith to like rely on other people that they're going to be there for me or whatever rather. And, um, yeah, I, I feel like I've just gone on a bit of a tangent just now, but so it really is kind of like a mind, a mindset thing to just understand that, you know, to first of all, let things go that don't serve you. That's like very, very crucial. And to really let it go, to be like, that's fine. Because as long as you like keep on moving forward, you're, you'll get to where you want to be and be very comfortable with failure. Just kind of see it as like, I see it more in either good or bad. I'm just like, okay, that just showed me that that is not the right step to take. And I'm now going to sidestep that and just keep on going forward. 
Oh, we love the sidesteps. Oh, yeah. yes. Sidesteps, sidesteps, no sidesteps. <laughs> that, is, that is our lives. No, I, I, so, I so couldn't agree more. Oh, my goodness. Maxine, you and I could talk for days. I'm As we start to wrap up, I've got a couple of que- final questions for you, I guess. Before I dive into them, you know, over the last few years in business, you've really gone from strength to strength. You've received so much recognition for your work. I know we've talked a lot about your failures, failures and the dark times of business, but you know, you have received so much recognition. You were featured on the Forbes 30 on the 30 list. You've spoken at over 200 international events. You've been featured in, or your companies have been featured in, in CNBC, Bloomberg, WSJ, just to name a few. You know, what are three key pieces of advice that you give our peers out there listening that you wish you got when you were just starting out? Ooh, I want to think about that one. So first of all, be incredibly kind to yourself and everything that you're working towards. Be patient and have faith that it's not going to happen tomorrow. It might not happen a year or two years from now, but if you're working on something for a long enough time, things will start showing through. And then I think number three is to really be cautious about how you speak to yourself in your mind and how you have like, you know, build like a mental library of uh, ways to essentially like manage how your brain talks to yourself. And I think kind of with those three Oh, number four is also ask for help. Like, don't be scared to ask for help. Um, be fearless in asking for help because it's okay. And it actually helps you build a community. And yeah, I would say it's, it's probably those four, even though you asked for three. <laughs> <laughs> we love four. It's so amazing. Look, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge you, Maxine, for all of the incredible work you've done and that you're doing. And I guess more so than that, you know, just your ability to be candid with us, your ability to always kind of chase after your goals and dreams and passions. And I think by doing that, you know, you really show us that it's possible and that, you know, we, we don't have to settle and that, you know, we can actually dream big and, and achieve anything that we want. And so for that, we really appreciate you. Thank you. Of course. So the final question is how we finish every episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. And that is, what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? just the happiness and fun that comes from it. I cannot explain just when you have those breakthroughs and especially when you have a team and just that kind of like that elation that you get from, oh my gosh, we just did this. We've like, we've set a goal and we've accomplished it together. And I feel that that type of, it's almost like a high is something that people should feel in their life. Like, I feel like that's what life is about is just like having fun and being happy in the face of anything. I mean, relative to stuff, but I think that's, that's mostly what it's about. And I think that is, that is where the true value lies. Amazing. Maxine. Oh my goodness. We've had a blast. You're so awesome. And I know so many, so much of our audience, so many amazing peers out there listening are going to be taking away all of the gems you've given us today. So we really appreciate it. Where can people learn more about you? (laughs) Yeah, you can do it. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Where can people learn more about you and Prosper app? 
Yeah, I, I think the best way is just through my Twitter and also through the website. So it's just www.prosperapp.com. Um, and yeah, that's, and my, my Twitter handle is Maxi Ryan. So it's like M-A-X-I-E Ryan. Uh, and I usually just chat away on there about mostly nothing, but there's a few gems <laughs> that come out if people want to know them. I'm sure there's many gems. accidental ones i love it we will thank you so much maxine we will link them up in the show notes and for everyone else listening we will end with that peers that's a wrap thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the peers to peers podcast we hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do which is our way of saying inspirational. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or any app where podcasts are played and leave us a review. We produce with passion and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers. <laughs>